Hi, and welcome to the St. Mark's Podcast. My name's Ben. And I'm Matt, although I'm not Rev Matt on the Rising Gens Matt here at St. Mark's. And this week, we are looking at anger. So Matt, what makes you angry? Well, one thing that really makes me angry when I'm driving is, you know, when you're coming up to a roundabout and often there's a queue of cars, but there's two lanes to try and stop the queue going so far back. But everyone seems to sit in the left-hand lane. Like, why don't you use the right-hand lane? You can skip all those cars. It's, that's what it's there for. Do you get a bit of road rage, Matt? I do get a little bit of road rage, uh, yeah, when people are sitting in the left-hand lane. I want to try and get into that right lane. Oh, well, that is a good example of anger. Although this week we're looking at righteous anger and Rev Matt is going to unpack that in his talk later. First, we're going to worship. So why don't you uh, pray for us, Matt, and then we'll, we'll jump into worship. Of course. Well, Lord, we welcome you here into uh, the space where we are. We pray that as we worship you, you would come and fill us with your spirit as we lift your name high. And we pray for, that you would come and anoint the words on Matt's lips as he speaks to us and prepare our hearts to listen. In your name. Amen. Amen. When all I see is the battle you see my victory when all i see is a mountain you see the mountain move and as i walk through the shadows your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now, for I'm safe with you. So when I fight, I fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible. The battle belongs to you. 
Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing could stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing could stand against the power of our God. Oh, almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing could stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing could stand against the power of our God. Hello and welcome to the next part in our series, Life to the Full, where we've been listening to Jesus' teaching at the Sermon on the Mount, which is considered to be uh, not only some of Jesus' most powerful teaching within his ministry, but also the most profound, impactful and life-changing words to have ever come from the mouth of a human being, Uh, words you'd expect God to speak. And indeed, these words also authenticate who Jesus said he is, a man whose identity is God. So buckle up, because today we're getting angry and looking at what Jesus has to say about handling anger. Now, uh, I wonder if you know an angry person. Chances are, if you can't think of someone, then you're probably not on Facebook or Twitter, because, uh, my goodness, these have become some platforms for some serious raging. I once heard it said that if you're angry with someone, write a letter. Then go to sleep and in the morning reread it and tear it up. If only that advice was heeded in a world where our angry outbursts can be published to the world in just seconds. Well, I guess we may know people with quick tempers, road rage, computer rage, people who are wound up easily, uh, those who are just sort of angry people. And maybe the person uh, you can identify with uh, is you. But the reality is, I guess, that we all get angry at times, sometimes over the tiniest things like uh, dirty mugs being left around the house. Uh, But other times uh, around huge things like global issues of injustice. And we need to know, firstly, that anger is a God-given emotion because God himself gets angry. Uh, It's sometimes thought, that God in the Old Testament was angry and then in the New Testament he became sort of a bit more chilled out uh, and the God of love. 
In the Old Testament, there are some 20 different words for God's anger, often known as his wrath. 20 different ways to be angry. Sounds like a book title. So sure, maybe we can conclude that God was particularly angry. But the God of the Bible doesn't have this dual nature. Never is he called or referred to as the God of wrath, but he is called the God of love. 1 John 4.16 says God is love. And we need to understand that God doesn't have an anger problem, but he has a righteous anger towards sin. What is sin? I hear you ask. Well, maybe an easy way to look at it is like this. Sin is rebellion or transgression against God and his covenant. The covenant in the Old Testament were the laws for holy living passed via Moses when he went up the the mountain, Mount Sinai, and received the the commandments, the testaments. Uh, They were God's covenant. And they were given to allow people to quite simply love God and love their neighbours. And when those laws were disobeyed, i.e. there was rebellion against laws of love, God got angry. God gets angry. Why? Because if you're not loving, then you're probably doing something else, hurting, stealing, destroying. And God in his very nature can't just passively sit back and watch humanity destroying itself or the planet. So God gets angry and calls the people back to his covenant, calls them back to the way of love. And to to turn around in, in both action, in thought, in heart, to God's covenant of love is an act that we call repentance. So God's anger is a part of his holy love, his personal reaction to sin. He can't just sit back and watch it happen. And God loves people, and so he gets angry on behalf of the hurt and the abused and the oppressed and being made in the image of our creator. So we've been given that same emotion of anger in order to bring about change. And this is a righteous anger and an anger that is against wickedness. And it has become for us and is for us an essential element of human goodness in a world where moral evil is always present. And in fact, um, I guess our, our lack of anger at times towards evil in our world can reveal our failure to love and our failure to care for our neighbour. So anger is a good thing used well it's a god-given gift but i guess the challenge comes in how we handle anger because if we handle it poorly it can lead to hatred it can lead to destructive behavior but if we can handle it well and get a grip of it anger can lead to change for the better now i'm not going to be offering self-help or anger management here Uh, you can find that elsewhere i'm sure plenty of other good podcasts out there Uh, not as good as this one obviously Uh, but what i want to look at today is what Jesus has to say about how we should handle anger and how we can be angry in a way that honours God. I guess we want to be angry like Jesus. So what would that look like for you? I mean, what what do you get angry about? What makes your blood boil? Do you need to channel your anger in a way that leads to positive change? Maybe you need to start getting angry a little bit more. Uh, if any of these relate to you, um, or if you're in, uh, listening in in good faith, then, then listen up. That's what we're going to dig into. 
So let's jump in at the passage uh, in Matthew chapter 5 that we've been looking at. Jesus starts by addressing this topic of anger to his disciples and to those listening in. And he begins by saying that uh, in the past, murder would see you facing judgment uh, in a court. And we'd agree with that. Uh, not much has changed there. Uh, that's justice. But then he, he jumps back to the root cause of murder, anger that is allowed to fester. He says, if you insult a brother or a sister, you'll have to stand before the religious council and give an account. Uh, that's how it worked uh, within the culture. Uh, one translation puts it like this. It says, if you say to a brother or a sister, Raka, you're answerable to the highest court. And Raka roughly translates as uh, sort of idiot. It was contempt for the mind of another. And if you're having a racket outburst in the ancient world, uh, you had to answer answer for it. Uh, but there was something worse than that. Uh, we read in, in our translation, if you're to say to someone, you fool, and um, that, that is our tra- best translation in English. It hardly makes you blush. Uh, but if you say you fool, you're liable to the fire of hell. Or another word used for it is Gehenna, uh, which probably makes us feel a little more uneasy. And Gehenna was the place outside the city where the rubbish was dumped and the sewage ran. It's a place where crucified bodies were dumped. It was a disgrace even to the civilised Romans. A complete hellhole. Uh, Not worth the insult, I'd say. But of course, there was something eternal about this place too. So what was so awful about calling someone a fool? Well, if saying raka was contempt for someone's state of mind, then calling someone a fool was contempt for their mind, their heart, their whole character. It was, I guess, the ultimate insult. It was intended to hurt and destroy, a word used in hate. It was also a long-lived anger, an anger that broods in someone's heart, an anger that is nurtured and not for good, that refuses to be pacified, an anger that seeks revenge. And Jesus is saying that for one who hates another in this way, and it is a hate, they're going to find themselves in a place of hatred, a place outside of the security of the city, a place of destruction. They'll find themselves in a hellhole. You know, it might not be easy to examine in a human court this sort of anger, but those who harbour anger in this way are ultimately accountable to the courts of heaven. Verse 22. This kind of anger is not a beautiful attitude. And having just given the Beatitudes, these beautiful attitudes, towards living this distinctive lifestyle, Jesus is saying that we shall need to channel our anger properly if we're going to live with integrity and not compromise in effecting a change in the things we we care about the most. So if we're going to follow Jesus, uh, we can't have hate pouring from our lips. So let's have a look at how Jesus goes about handling anger. Perhaps one of the best known outbursts of anger we see from Jesus is found in Matthew 21, where we see him overturning the tables of the money changers in the temple. Now, it's less than a week from his trial and crucifixion, uh, and he knows it, so we'd expect him to be feeling a little tetchy. But what Jesus sees that day at the temple is disobedience to the greatest commandment to love God and love neighbour. We've got market traders exploiting the poor, profiting from acts of worship and using unfair measures to rip people off. And Jesus sees this greed, this hypocrisy, this abuse, this misuse of his father's house and he flips out. But take note on how he does it. He doesn't shout abuse. He doesn't start throwing punches. He starts flipping tables. 
And you might be thinking, well, what have these poor tables done to deserve such treatment? He should be flipping people. But he doesn't flip people. He doesn't do that. He starts to channel his anger in an appropriate way to make a statement and expose the injustice. So in verse 13, we read uh, something that Jesus says. He says, and probably now with everyone's attention, because he's just been flipping tables, he says, It is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So he's got their attention. And verse 14, the next verse in, uh, tells us about his response to that anger, what he does with this anger. It says this, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he cured them. So he starts to channel this anger into loving and healing those that he's angry for. His anger starts to lead to positive action. So it's kind of the way he does it. He has a choice to make and he chooses to handle himself well. Martin Luther was a reformer in the 16th century who used his anger to challenge the institutional church for its corruption. And uh, Martin Luther said this, he said, when I am angry, I can write, pray and preach well, for then my whole temperament is quickened, my understanding sharpened and all mundane vexations and temptations depart. The problem we can sometimes face is that when we're controlled by our anger, we end up compromising the change we want to bring. If Martin Luther had instead burnt down the Vatican and assassinated the Pope, he wouldn't have been free to spearhead reform. So we should get angry, angry against wickedness. And we should flip tables, but not people. And we should use all that pent up anger and channel it into loving others. And that all sounds brilliant, sounds idyllic. But is it actually realistic? It's like Aristotle wrote in in 348 to 322 BC. Aristotle wrote... Anybody can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not within everybody's power and it's not easy. And we might start to think that living life to the full and this life that Jesus has called us to is not within our power. You might be thinking it's not within my power. It's for the super spiritual. It's for the good kids. But actually, It's for all of us. Why? Because to be angry well isn't just down to us. And there are three things that we need in order to deal with anger well. Three keys to dealing with anger. So here we are, three keys. Key number one, forgiveness. We need to be able to receive and give forgiveness through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And let's remember that each of us has sinned each of us has fallen short Romans 3:23 tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God but you don't need me to quote from scripture to know that it's like this morning prayer dear lord so far i've done all right i haven't gossiped i haven't lost my temper i haven't been greedy grumpy nasty selfish or overindulgent and i'm really glad about that but in a few minutes god i'm going to get out of bed And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. Our sin, no matter how small or big or however we view it, is outright disobedience against God's law of love. It's breaking God's covenant. It's a failure to love God and love neighbour. 
and God should be and rightfully be angry with us. But through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we have received God's mercy and received his forgiveness because he loves us. And Jesus says that we are to do the same for others, to be a people who extend mercy because we've been shown mercy. And when we can forgive, anger does not live rent free in our lives. So there's the first key. Forgiveness is key to handling anger well. The second key to handling anger is it requires determination of the will, determination of the will. Yes, we have to choose to handle anger in the right way. And there have been times when I've lost my temper. I've thrown something across the room, making a terrible mess, only to spend the next half an hour tidying up the mess. And ultimately, it achieved absolutely nothing. And there are a few practical ways that we can have a willpower workout. Uh, cue the music and uh, make it look like I'm doing some sort of exercise, which I'm not. Uh, but here we are, some top tips for a willpower workout. So take note. Number one, press pause. Perhaps a lesson from the space shuttle, space shuttle is a good one. We should count down before blasting off. You know, stopping in the heat of the moment, doing a little bit of a countdown gives us time to reflect and uh, with a little longer some time to seek some wise counsel from others who are not quick tempered. You know it's really important not to suppress anger but instead to work through it and to rechannel it into something loving even if that still involves constructive confrontation. So press pause. Secondly watch your words. Our words have power for good or for bad. If Raka was enough to send you to court how much more to rage in such a way uh, with the intention to hurt and to destroy another. You know, we've got power to bless, we've got power to curse. Jesus calls us to bless those who persecute us and who speak all kinds of evil against us. So pause and think before you speech. speak. Uh, number three, master your mind. Yep, there is a battle of the mind going on here when it comes to handling anger. And we need to decide how we're going to react in the moment. Uh, I used to work in after sales in the motor trade. I'd occasionally get a frustrated customer coming and venting about how the car has let them down. Understandable. But very occasionally, you'd get a customer who was like a raging bull. And they would channel all of their anger, all of their frustration at you as if you'd personally caused their car to break and for all the unfortunate circumstances to be how they are. And if we react like that, then we can end up expressing our anger and compromising our integrity uh, and uh, we might end up making um, a, a, a decision to to root all of our uh, deep frustration uh, over an innocent third party so we need to choose uh, how we're going to channel that and, uh, and master our mind fourthly we need to consider the cost there is a cost to our reactions if we have a sudden outburst we could end up in prison simple as that uh, but it's, it's, it's like this as well. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27, it says, don't give the devil a foothold. Uh, this is like having an opening where, where anger just gets totally out of control. It, it's like having uh, a door left open in your house. Anger comes in, it makes its home. Uh, and once it's in, it wants to have a say in everything. It starts to sever relationships uh, within your own life, within your workspace, uh, with your spouse, with your family, even within churches. It gets out of control. It creates a toxic culture. It's costly. 
and drastic action is required to kick it out, to shut the door before we do something that causes lasting damage. So that's uh, consider the cost. Next, we need to pursue peace. Theologian Stanley Hauervas once said, Christians are a people committed to peace in a world at war. And this means we should be more concerned about healing relationships than setting off battles between one another. And the way to deal with anger, Jesus says, is through reconciliation. First, be reconciled, verses 23 to 24. So if you're rocking up at church to worship, your offering is worth nothing if you can't offer it with a pure heart. Ugandan Bishop Festo told of how he was going off to preach after a row with his wife. And the Holy Spirit said to him, go back and pray with your wife. He argued, I'm due to preach in 20 minutes. I'll do it afterwards. Okay, said the Holy Spirit. You go off and preach. I'll stay with your wife. It's only when our conduct is right that we're in a fit state to worship God. The high standards that Jesus sets only draw us back to God to receive more of his mercy, more of his forgiveness. It's a reminder that we ourselves have been reconciled to God and this should lead us to seek reconciliation also. So that was the second key. We need determination of the will. And the third and final key to handling anger well is this. We need the help of the Holy Spirit in us. You know, the Holy Spirit is our advocate and our power. The very reason Jesus believes that we can live this life, that you can live this life, is because he's left us the Holy Spirit. And if we're not filled with the Spirit, we're not truly living, or else we're simply living a religious life, and that can be a real slog. The Holy Spirit enables us to handle the most challenging of situations and to live this most challenging lifestyle. Okay, so what do you need to do now with your God-given gift of anger? What do you need to do next? Perhaps you need to start applying those keys so that anger can be used for good and bring about change. Forgiveness, determination of the will, Holy Spirit. Because as we start to do this, and as we start to channel anger well, and being angry in a way that honours God, we can start to focus on bringing about change. Last week, uh, I challenged us to go away and start looking at local issues that need to change for the better. And I wonder whether any of those issues have made you angry. High levels of deprivation, particularly amongst children and young people. North East Lincolnshire having some of the highest levels of socio-economic deprivation in the country. Uh, we've got increasing levels of domestic violence being reported locally. Soaring levels of anxiety and depression reported amongst young people in the last few months. Is that stuff making you angry? And on a global level... Uh, just last week, Oxfam reporting that the wealth of the world's 10 richest men doubled in the pandemic from $700 billion to $1.5 trillion. Uh, some are investing their wealth in space programs, whilst, and this is the bit that hurts, 21,000 people die each day as a result of low income. Uh, they reckon there's a new billionaire created almost every day in the pandemic, whilst 99% of the world's population are worse off with 160 million people being forced into extreme poverty. You know, are we, are we okay with the deeply flawed 
economic system? Are we just slightly miffed at global injustice and the climate crisis? Or are we coming alive with righteous anger? You know, right here in our church, in St. Mark's, in your local church, we're a family of God. We're, we're God-gifted. We're creative. We're powerful people, all of us, of all ages. And we've been empowered to bring about change, to see the kingdom of heaven breaking through in Great Grimsby and beyond. And let's not let that sit quietly within us. Let's allow the spirit to stir us into action and to live the life that Jesus calls us to. So let's use anger to honour God and to love him and to love our neighbours. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you have given us the gift of anger. And God, we just want to bring the anger that we might have that stirs in us, that's not healthy, uh, that gets channeled out incorrectly, that, that, that bursts out when it shouldn't. And Lord, we want to use it to glorify you and to honour you and to bring about change. So we want to ask that your Holy Spirit would fall afresh on us and transform our minds and our hearts and our actions and lead us back to your covenant of love, that we might love you and love our neighbours. So would you come, just where we are right now, would you come, Holy Spirit, and refresh us, renew us, transform us. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the St. Mark's Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us via email if you email hello at stmarksgrimsby.org.uk. And do keep an eye out on social media. Search for St. Mark's Grimsby to see what's going on in the life of St. Mark's. Thanks so much for joining and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.